Hey guys, welcome to the Keeper Connection, a podcast made by the keepers for the keepers. I'll be looking to bring you guys tips, advice, stories, and insight into the goalkeeping position from some of the very best goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches around. I am your host, Andrew Schringer. All right, hey guys, welcome back to the Keeper Connection. Today I have Canadian professional goalkeeper Nathan Ingham joining me on the show. Uh, Nathan has most recently signed with York 9 FC, who are playing in the Canadian Premier League this summer. He also has previous uh, professional experience playing for clubs such as FC Edmonton, KW United, and Calgary Foothills. Um, So that's just a bit of info about Nathan, but let's just get straight into the chat. Uh, Nathan, welcome to the show, man. Beautiful. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I appreciate it. Not a problem, buddy. Um, so at the time of recording, uh, you're on preseason right now in Dominican with York. Correct. How are things going, man? Yeah, things are going really well. Obviously, preseason's a bit of a grind. So we flew in, and the day we flew in, we got in midday, had lunch, and was out for a session. And the next day, we were out for two sessions, and uh, we just kind of kept that pace going the whole time here. And we've got two games under our belt. And uh, we're in between sessions today, uh, gearing up for a game tomorrow. So it's been nonstop, but it's been really good. Nice. Now, how long are you guys there for now? Like how long? Uh, you- we've been here for seven days, uh, and we're uh, going to be here for ten total. So we're on the home stretch. Nice, man. Um, talk me through the process of you signing for York Nine. Yeah, it was um, it was a roller coaster of an off season for me. Uh, I finished up last year with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in the USL. And um, my ideally, I wanted to come to the CPL. That was always in my mind and uh, something I worked out in my contract with Pittsburgh um, when I signed with them. And uh, there was a few clubs I was initially talking um We just couldn't exactly agree to terms. So I ended up going on trial with Swope Park uh, down in Kansas City, which was really good. Good experience, but I ran into another roadblock, which um, has kind of plagued Canadians for years, which was uh, I was an international, which didn't affect me for the USL team. But as a starter for the Swope Park, if there was something to happen to one of the Sporting KC guys, one of the uh, three first team guys, um, they wouldn't have been able to bring me up. And uh, Sporting is an unbelievable organization, really good at promoting from academy to the USL and USL to the first team. So I just didn't really fit that mold for them. Um, even though I think my trial there went really well and, and uh, they seemed to like me. So that kind of sent me back down to Canada or back up to Canada rather. And I spent a little bit of time with Forge and then ended up landing at York. Um, and honestly, I, I couldn't be happier with how it worked out. It was a broken road to get me here. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't end up at a different CPL club. And uh, yeah, it just all kind of fell into place, even though it, it fell into place a funny way. That's it. Man. I mean, that's, the, that's the, the story of a pro, isn't it? Just ups and downs and kind of looking for the next club. And Yeah, yeah. As a young pro, certainly, before you can get established and get multi-year deals and uh, really find yourself a home, um, which I'm hoping I've just uh, started here. Um, but until then, you're kind of living out of a suitcase. You're on the move. Like um, I've had loans uh, before and been moving around a lot so it's it's really nice to kind of get back to somewhere I'm comfortable obviously where I grew up and uh and kind of get started that's it man um let's let's go back then uh when when did you decide to become a goalkeeper what was that 
Yeah, I don't know if it was really um, I put much thought into it, but uh, growing up, my brother and I, uh, an older brother, um, and he was a football player, and and we were always in the backyard doing stuff, and he was a striker, so he was always wanting to shoot, and he kind of sticked me in that as a kid brother, right? And kind of, <laughs> you go there, I'll kick them at you, you know, and, and you're just happy to be playing with them, and um, so when I first stepped in, I started soccer quite late. I wasn't wasn't until I was ten, ten, eleven years old, but. Um, when I first started playing, I realized I was kind of ahead of the curve because of him and, um, a little bit of training I had before. And then when I stepped in that, I forget why I did it. Um, I remember saying to my mom, I go, I want to play soccer. Cause I was a baseball player at the time. So I want to play soccer. I want to be a goalie. And she just kind of like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'll make a phone call. You know, she talked to my brother's coach and I got affiliated with, uh, the club there and played my first year and then uh, kind of fell into the goalkeeper role because um, I was just kind of bugging the coach. We had a goalkeeper, but I was bugging him. I said, Hey, I want to play in that. I want to play in that. And when I did, it went really well. So uh, I spent the first four years of my career kind of split in time as a field player and a goalie, which is uh, super important for young goalkeepers out there. For sure. Um, yeah. To you don't get tied down to the position early and uh, with the modern game kind of evolving the way it has, as as good as you can be with your feet is only going to help you. It's something that I think North American goalkeepers are lagging a bit behind, uh, when, especially against South American uh, goalkeepers, but even in Europe and uh, around the world. Sure, sure. Um, so you got into goal, well, you started playing at 10-11, but I know you were at Ajax for some time. Was that the, were you at Ajax for most of your youth career? Um, I bounced around a little bit. I started at Markham. Well, my first year was at York United, strangely enough. Uh, oh, okay. The new market club was called York United. That was my first year, then moved to Markham, and then kind of was trying to find a home, and finally at 14 I did. That was with Ajax under Tom Croft, who I can't speak uh, highly enough of, and he's, um, he's co-owner of FC Durham Academy now. He's moved on from Ajax. Um, but yeah, those were, uh, those were crucial years of my life. It was, it came right after, um, a club I wasn't too thrilled with. And I was actually thinking about stepping away from the game when I was 13, 14. Right. And, uh, thankfully I didn't. Um, but you can, it just shows how important, uh, good coaching can be. Um, and, uh, in, in between kind of the club I was at before my move to Ajax, I was working, I started working with uh, Ricardo Greco with extreme goalkeepers. Yes. And um, that was crucial for me that the goalkeeper culture he kind of creates and uh, from, from a young age, and then you kind of work your way up uh, to like top group basically. So when you're young, you're in with the first hour, when you get better, your second hour, when you're the top goalkeepers, you're in the third hour of his training. And um, meeting other goalkeepers and talking to them and hearing their stories about their ups and downs, that helped a lot. And you just made so many good friends. And, the, and you're there and you're doing your high dives. You're, do, you're doing everything that makes goalkeeping amazing. Um, whereas when you're just with your team, right, you're kind of doing some player stuff. You're kind of doing this. It's just shooting. You don't get proper warm-ups, whatever. Um, so, yeah, the mix between finding Ricardo and uh, finding Tom Croft and the Ajax team was um, was this really the start of my soccer career, I think. Right. So when you were with Ajax, did you have like a keeper, a, a trainer on the team, or was all your goalkeeper training done through Ricardo? No, we didn't have one on the team. Uh, so everything was done through Ricardo. I'd usually do at least once a week with him, maybe twice a week, and then when I was with Ajax at training, um, my first half of the session, I would warm up with the field players. Um, and then do possession with them. And, and it, honestly, it couldn't have worked out better. Uh, 
I didn't know it at the time, obviously. I just like being involved with the team and working on my feet. But thankfully, I did that because it put me miles ahead of a lot of other goalkeepers footwork-wise, sure. where I could jump in with field players at that age and, and kind of do what they're doing. And then the second after practice, we'd get the more going-to-goal stuff, and I would give myself a quick little warm-up, which I got good at, and, uh, and then jump in for the, um, uh, the important stuff. Yeah. Ah, I wouldn't say the important stuff, but the other stuff. The other stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you mentioned before as well that you, you, you played baseball as well. Um, yep. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you also played volleyball, and did you do high jump as well? Yeah, as a yeah, um, baseball player growing up, which I kind of – I still played in high school. Um, but I kind of got away from in the middle. And then volleyball is uh, one of my favorite sports of all time. Uh, I think um, I found it late, but I played all through high school and, and fell in love with it. And I also played basketball in high school. And, uh, and I was a high jumper, yeah. And uh, I always stayed busy in high school. And it's another thing that I tell young, young kids, and I, I, people give me flack for it a little bit, especially the hardcore soccer people. They say, sure. you know, you got to focus on soccer. You can't do this. What if you get injured doing that? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, listen, for me, we're kids. Some of my greatest memories are playing these sports in high school, elementary school, all this. Um, and it's, it was the only thing I got. Like, soccer got so um, – so professional so quick and it became like very stress especially as a goalkeeper it becomes very stressful right so when you get to play these other sports it's is you can be as competitive as you want but at the end of the day like I still knew I was a soccer player playing volleyball or as a soccer player playing basketball for sure um you know and it was just a time to uh, like you learn so much without knowing it like if you told me you're going to play soccer four days a week the other days you have to be in the gym or running or whatever that sounds miserable to me (laughs) But if you say, I got to play soccer four times a week and I get to play basketball four times a week and volleyball three times a week and then I can do high jump twice a week, I go, yeah, like I can do that all day. I love that Um, because it's fun and it's cross training and uh, my hand-eye coordination was better. You you learn things in these sports that are always, um, I'm blanking on the word, but the, the things you can use in soccer yeah. like the way emotion offense runs in basketball like there's so many correlations between that and when you're pressing in soccer and um and just like the lateral movement in these sports all these things like they all benefited me greatly and and it's the reason why i've been able to excel in soccer i think so i always tell young kids just have fun don't get tied down to a sport too early and you, uh, sooner or later pick the one you love the most and go with That's it and i mean kids can burn out real quick if you just commit to one thing yeah, and it's it's just hey, we're not old enough, and we haven't lived long enough to make those big decisions at that age either. Exactly. Um, and I get why parents want to kind of push you one way, or coaches want to push you one way. But at the at the end of the day, we're kids, and we do it because we're we want to have fun. And if it works out, it works out, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, a lot of skills you can learn in sports. So big advocate of that. <laughs> um. So you you play for Ajax, and then. After you graduate high school, you're off to to Florida Gulf Coast, correct for a university? Yeah, that's yeah, that's correct. And um, I got again, I got to give Tom Croft a, a ton of credit for that. Um, he kind of pushed us toward universities. Uh, he's been around a long time. He's seen a lot of people go over to Europe and try the pro thing, and come back and end up working in pizzerias. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, um, yeah, he was a big advocate of us. Uh, you know showcasing down in the u.s going to different tournaments like the dallas cup or disney showcase or even in new jersey or ohio or whatever and um i think it was 16 of our 18 guys ended up on scholarships down to the u.s at uh, any level of school 
Um, I was lucky. I found myself at a top 25 school um, and uh, really good program, beautiful weather, beautiful campus, all that. And, uh, and again, uh, a good soccer culture. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a kick and run crash program. It was a, it was a very well, well organized. A lot of good football players came out of there. Um, we had a, a bit of Latin flair coming from the, uh, the islands in South America, which helped us kind of play a really, a really good looking style of soccer. So I learned a lot from them and, uh, the coach there at the time, Bob Butehorn, who, um, can really put together, uh, put together a good looking football team. I mean, it's interesting because I spoke, I've spoken to, to you now. I spoke to, to Matt a while ago, Matt Silva and then mm-hmm. Nico as well. And you guys all went that route of, of university first and then, pursuit of the professional game after yeah um, now with with for canadians with the cpl uh coming into play do you think that's the route that that most players should be looking at going is yeah i mean it's it's hard for me to to tell kids um one way or another because i only did the one route right, right. um i didn't go over to europe um, but you see everyone kind of finds their own way. Like uh, guys on my team or guys throughout the CPL, we've found every which way to land in the CPL. Um, where goalkeepers kind of, we have the benefit of the doubt of uh, being better when we're older. So we don't have to rush overseas and we don't have to do those things because um, when you're 25 kind of on is when you kind of hit your prime, whereas field players, it's more like 20 on or even sure. younger. So, yeah, we, I mean, I recommend the, uh, the schooling route just because, I mean, I've had conversations with guys when they kind of have to step away from the game a lot earlier than they thought and they don't have uh, a degree to fall back on. And um, there's real concern in their voice. Like, uh, they don't know what they're going to do. They go, I thought I was going to play till I'm 30 or 35 and I'm 24 and I don't have enough saved up and I don't have a degree. And I, so I would never wish that on anyone. Um, it's nice to have a backup plan, but at the same, t- and, and at the end of the day, not a lot of us get to play professional soccer. Right. Um, for every story you've heard of a guy that makes it, there's hundreds that don't. So um, I get being all in and wanting to do it and giving yourself the best chance to be the guy, but there's just, the odds are against you, so it's you got to be really careful, and um, you just got to look out for yourself, whatever that is, and and have your parents kind of looking out for your best interests as well, which I was really fortunate. My parents were good at, and um, yeah, it's uh, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but just kind of as much as you can weigh all the options and and go from there. Sure. I mean, so when did you decide then that you know you want to pursue the professional game? Was that something you knew you wanted to do? when you went to university and, and you knew when I finish, this is what I want to do, or is it more towards the end of your university career? Um, no, it wasn't before my university career, but I think it was pretty soon after I got there because I mean, when I started at Ajax, I didn't really know what I was doing. I figured I'd play. You have to remember as well, like TFC didn't even exist when I was growing up. So right. not only did the CPL not exist, TFC didn't exist. These MLS teams from Canada existed. So it was never like a viable, I'm going to be a pro soccer player. Like when you're really young, you kind of say it as a joke, you're not going to be a pro, whatever. Um, But you're too young to really understand it. And then when you got to the age where it made sense when I was 10, 11, like it's not like I was like, Oh, like I can't wait to grow up and maybe play for York nine. Like that didn't exist. Can't wait to grow up for TFC. That didn't exist. So when I got to Ajax, I found out that getting a scholarship was a possibility. So that was my goal. And then all my energy went into that. And then when I got to university, I started seeing guys go in the draft and, uh, and 
being picked up by pro clubs and I didn't see that big of a gap between myself and them. And I was like, okay, like if these guys are going, then I got three, four more years before I have to be that good. Like I can do that. So then that's when it kind of clicked in my head. Maybe I can be a pro. And uh, I was fortunate to have a a good college career and it kind of set me up for uh, a bit of success. Well, um, I mean, you mentioned, I I don't know. I read this somewhere. I was trying to look it up um, before our talk today. And I'm sure I read it two or three years ago. Um, It was when you went to Edmonton, you, you had to make a decision between, was it going into the draft or going straight to Edmonton? Is that? that Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. So um, I was invited to the MLS combine after, uh, after my, my senior year, which is basically a, a group of 60 players, the top players in college soccer, mostly seniors with a couple exceptions, which are the generation Adidas younger guys. Mm. Um, and uh, you go, you play a couple games in front of all the MLS coaching staffs, and then that's kind of their last chance to see everyone who maybe they haven't uh, seen enough of um, before the draft the following weekend. So I was invited to go to that. Um, but there's a few people's uh, soccer opinions I really trust, and I reached out to them after uh, Edmonton kind of called me, which was in November, well before any of this would take place because the draft and the combine was all in January. And Edmonton was interested, and they uh, came to me with a a good offer. And I'm someone who kind of always bets on himself, and I was kind of thinking, like, I don't know if I want to take this. Um, I want to go to the MLS. You know what I mean? Like, I think – I was looking at the guys who were projected in the draft. I was projected to go in the draft, and I was going, this is, this is what I'm dreaming of. This is what I want to do. Um, but I'll, everyone I talked to, people, I had trained with a couple MLS teams up to that point as well, and I reached out to them, um, and all of them kind of said the same thing. They said, listen, you're most likely going to be a number three goalkeeper in the MLS, um, and what's going to happen is no one's going to use one of their international roster spots on a third string goalkeeper. Right. So even if you get drafted, you're going to train with them for a week. They're going to send you down to their USL team or they're going to release you and you're going to be stuck scrambling for a contract. And, uh, and it's probably not going to be good money and it's probably not going to be where you want. And uh, if Edmonton can guarantee you a decent salary or a chance at playing time or any of those things, that's, that's the better move. Um, and I didn't want to believe it. And I talked to a couple of people, like I said, a couple of people I trust and respect. And, uh, yeah, it was unanimous across the board that that was, uh, that was the smarter, the smarter move kind of set you up for, um, for more success. Now I, I was expecting to get more time at Edmonton. I, I thought I was going to be, be able to break into a starter role in the NASL sooner than I did. Um, but looking back on it, like I, I weighed the options and that, that was the right decision regardless. For sure. Um, you could you describe what that that first season was like as a pro playing for for Edmonton it's really weird because when you think of what it's going to be like to to be a pro um you have an idea but it never really like it it wasn't anything like I thought the toughest thing was coming in every single day and training like a hundred percent yeah. Because in university, especially as you get older and you get better, you can kind of get away with, you know, turning it on and off. And the pros, that doesn't exist. Like you have to be every single day and you have to be not – there's two goalkeepers that were already there um, the year prior to me. So these guys were already established. So I didn't have to be as good as them. I had to be better than them every single day if I wanted to overtake them, right? Mm. 
And uh, that's exhausting. And when you're used to being the guy and uh, getting accolades and doing interviews and this and that and blah, 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 and then you get into the pros and you're just another number, it's, um, it's a reality check and it's kind of all about how you handle yourself rather than like the on the field stuff. You got to kind of keep yourself mentally prepared for every day um, off the field and then showing up and having the right attitude and doing everything you can perfectly. And that was tough for me. Uh, I thought I was going to be able to walk in and walk into a starting role and this will work for me and this will work for me. And the game doesn't care about you at all. Um, And I found that out early and, uh, and it was a tough pill to swallow. But once you get past that kind of initial, whatever you want to call it, then you can kind of focus on yourself. And that's what I did. So I ended up getting the backup role right away, which was good. And, um, and I just knew like every day, if you come in, you train hard, you get better or you get in the weight room and you get stronger and more explosive, no matter what happens on the field, like those things will benefit you no matter what. Right. Um, whether it's at FC Edmonton or it's the next club or the next club, um, it was just about doing the right things. So I was doing my best to, uh, try and do that. Um, and that's, uh, that's a skill in itself. So, um, I wasn't perfect at it, uh, but, I mean, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better and better at that. And I think uh, I'm in a really good place now uh, with my professionalism. And, and you start to see what people mean uh, when they talk about young pros coming in and the growing up they have to do. You start to understand that. You go, oh, okay. It wasn't like you're immature. It's like these are the things they're talking about. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it was tough. And then about halfway through the season, I got loaned out to Toronto FC too. And that was a good experience. I trained a lot with the first team with uh, Conway and, and Bones and Q was there at the time and Clint Irwin. So that was really good for me and got a couple games under my belt with TFC2 and did, uh, did okay when I got on the field. So um, that was nice and, uh, and it was a nice uh, change of scenery for me, which helped a lot. And then that put me in a really good place going into my second year at Edmonton. Well, when you came back to Edmonton, you you managed to string was it seven or eight games together like that you got to play for? Yeah, yeah. I, um, the second year I came in, I, I had a really good preseason. I was uh, nipping at the starting goalkeeper's heels, and um, eventually I got my shot after a month or two, and uh, won my first game away to the uh, defending champs, uh, the New York Cosmos in the NASL, and uh, saved a penalty, made a couple good saves, and then went on uh, went on a little run of games and was playing really well. And, um, you know, I was back to where I thought I should be. I was getting accolades. I was got the player of the week. I was um, in the team of the month of the NASL and uh, things were going really well. And then another curveball uh, got into a challenge with uh, Lance Lang of North Carolina and a, a nasty little collision. And I separated my shoulder and had a little concussion. And uh, just like that, I lost the starting job uh, I was out for a couple of weeks and it was just just as tough to fight my way back into the starting lineup as it was the first time so um that's how fast it can be taken away from you for sure so with, with injuries what do you have any tips or advice for, for any young player or keeper listening on what can you do to to help you stay you know linked to the team or to your game um, yeah, I mean, injuries are a lonely place, right? You're in the training room, you're not out with the team doing stuff. Um, most of the time, at least for the beginning stages of it. Uh, the best advice is probably if you have a good physio staff, um, I mean, they'll take care of this for you. But 
don't rush it back. Make sure you're hundred percent healthy. Cause if you come back at 70% and you're trying to do the things that you can normally do, um, it doesn't look good. It looks like, uh, you're playing scared and you're not doing as well as you should be. So they the coaches are thinking uh, like, is he not as good or whatever? And all because you're trying to rush yourself back. You're doing yourself no favors. Right. Um, so yeah, when it comes to that, just make sure you're hundred percent healthy. Um, always be doing your work. You, you always have rehab exercises. You always have that. So make sure you're doing everything the physios are telling you. And when it's your time to come back, come in, train hard. And, uh, and again, back to the basics, coming in every day, doing your work and then, uh, and trying to get back on the field really. Right. Um, so I first became aware of, of you, um, during, I don't know if you remember this, the, the 2010, uh, I think it was like the Canadian shield tournament in Burlington. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. Well, you you guys you guys won that. Um, yeah. So I was called up that year. So I was called up to play in that tournament for a year older. And okay. I was at the um, opening ceremonies for that, and I remember looking over to. So I'm already nervous. I look over to this Ajax team, and I see the first guy I see is Skylar Thomas. <laughs> yeah, what and a I'm piece. like, this guy is huge. Um, <laughs> And then behind him was you, and you're not far off Skyler at the time. You weren't anyway. And I was like, oh, my God, man. Like, I'm in a different world. <laughs> but, I mean, you guys played in that tournament, and there was a Mexican team, an Italian team, a couple American teams. Yep. Obviously, you played in, in Dallas Cup and, and different international tournaments when you were younger. Um, how do you think that helped you, like, adapting to the pro game where there are lots of different – nationalities competing in one team uh yeah it's um it was a fun tournament and it like you said it's cool seeing different styles of play um the guadalajara chivas team that we played the mexican team was uh was really good and we, we had two really good games against them in the group stage and then again in the final um but it's it's good for because uh, in the pros especially when you're young you don't know who you're playing against right it's the first time you're seeing these teams um, so you're kind of going in blind where when you're young and you're playing a lot of the same teams over and over, like at Ajax, our biggest rivals were Aaron Mills and Dixie and Mississauga. So you kind of know what you to expect. You play these guys day in, day out. Um, but when you go to Dallas cup or the Canadian international shield tournament or any of those, you're going in and you're, you just hear about these teams, you know, they're the state champs or they're national champions or they're this or they're that. And they're getting boosted and you're kind of nervous like you said when you walked into the canadian shield tournament um but you kind of like you you realize that you can just worry about yourself and your team and and that's what we did really well at ajax like we beat a lot of teams that were a lot better than us because we were a good team we were well organized and we were winners like when when the game came to it like we showed up always and and that's what happens. And in, in you you get better at picking up tendencies in game. So you you see a guy do something early on, and you can pick up like okay, he favors his left foot. Like he's gonna want the striker kind of every move he's doing, he's getting to his left foot. So you kind of be more aware of that. Um, the way they they strike crosses or shots, you can you can pick up a lot about players. So when you're seeing them for the first time and you're thinking about those things, you can. Uh, you can make your life a lot easier and, and you talk about it at halftime with your defenders or um, if you're attacking players different, obviously, but we're just talking about it and we go, okay, like, Hey, he's a bit shifty, you know, like give him an extra half step or whatever, you know, you could, so you get better at seeing guys for the first time going into uncomfortable situations and being a bit scared, a bit nervous, and then still just showing up and, uh, 
and playing in these games. So I like a lot of people, they give, they give university guys crap because they say, Oh, they haven't played at a high enough level. Like when I was with the under twenties with Canada, they go, we don't like university guys. They haven't played at a high enough level. Um, they don't know the pressures of being a pro, but when you're playing at whatever level is the highest for you, for me, NCAA division one was the highest I could be at um, right. and still take the route. And it's the same pressure. Like when you go to the national tournament for the first time, and you're 18 and you're playing as a freshman and you're playing against 22, 23-year-olds, and you know as a goalkeeper, like, I got to be tuned in because eight of these guys in front of me are seniors and this is their last ever chance to be on a field again. Um, like, that pressure is real. Like, and there's nothing in the world that can simulate pressure like those situations. So being in Dallas Cup final with Ajax or being in the Canadian International Shield tournament against a, a top Mexican team, like those pressures are, that's what's helped me the most. Same with KW United playing in a national championship with them and, um, and having those scenarios at any age when the pressure's on and you're afraid to make mistakes and you get the butterflies in your stomach, like those moments are massive going forward because when you get to the pros, it's the exact same thing. It's the same nerves. It's the same feeling. And uh, when we open up the CPL, it's going to be the same thing walking into the first game in Hamilton in front of 20 or 30,000 people. It's going to be those same, those same nerves, but Luckily, I've done it before. You know, it's a it's extra people or it's a different level or whatever. But that pressure and, and those internal pressures and external pressures, like I've been there before. So you're no longer worried about those things. You can just focus on the football. That's it, man. Once you, you've seen it to a certain extent, you just kind of you mold it and then you're good to go. Yeah. And I'm sure there's and I talked to I'm good friends with a couple of people that have played in bigger games and bigger stages and World Cup qualifiers in Honduras or uh, over in Europe in derbies. And I'm and there's going to be situations that you could never possibly be ready for. But um, the more experiences like this you get, the, the better adaptable you are. Sure, man. Um, I also remember when I when I watched you warm up in that same tournament, um, it was middle of summer but you're a keeper wearing it was either three quarters or or full length keeper pants um, yeah is that is that what was i didn't see too many wearing wearing that. no no that was uh i did that even through uh university for a couple of years um in florida in the summers uh but the big reason was i always wore three quarters because i'm allergic to grass so I get I would get really itchy. So I always had a long sleeve Under Armour and uh, and three quarters on just because I didn't like being itchy. <laughs> um, so and then it became a bit superstitious and uh, and then finally as I got older I kind of grew out of it and I didn't see very many pros out there wearing those kind of things. So I I was trying to emulate the pros a little bit and make myself look as professional as possible. And uh, my allergies weren't as bad on that Florida grass, so I got away from it. But yeah, no, it was nothing other than. Uh, other than that. All right, cool. Man. I was like, this guy is nuts. In the summertime, too? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, how do you uh, keep developing yourself? I mean, how do you develop goals for yourself? What, how do you keep trying to one-up yourself each and every season? Uh, it's not hard because generally um, you're moving into a higher level, or at least I have been, so – like your goals, your goals kind of stay the same. Um, obviously, you're trying to keep the ball in the net. You're trying to get as many games as possible. You're trying to, uh, you know, if you're self-aware, you kind of pick out what parts of your game are strong and what parts of your game need work. Um, and then 
I love to work on my weaknesses as much as possible, get them to my strengths and then find a new weakness and do the same thing. Um, because I know a lot of guys, they don't, they don't like working on the things they, they're not good at. And if you do that for too long, you're going to have holes in your game. So, um, there's, there's a laundry list of things that I can get better at. And I think any young pro can get better at. So it's always easy to find things to work on. Um, and I mean, like, look at me, I'm in the CPL right now. Um, I'm fighting for a starting spot. Like there's so many leagues above me and there's so many goalkeepers that have better experience or better, better resume. Like there's no shortage of, uh, of reasons why I need to get better and uh, no shortage of, uh, like fuel for my fire to, uh, to jump to the next level because there's, there's so many steps, especially as a, a young 25 year old goalkeeper. Um, it's really easy to be motivated every day to, uh, to t- start taking steps. And, uh, my biggest one right now is just getting as many games as possible um, trying to be a top goalkeeper in the CPL um, and then trying to win a championship with York. And when you make short attainable goals like that um, and they come true, then the next ones are right there for you, just waiting to wait and be tackled. So worry about these ones right now at the end of the season, if it goes as planned, then I look at the bigger picture. But right now, like I said, I'm really happy with uh, the group here. The staff here is incredible. Um, and if I can uh, make this a home for a few years and kind of uh, become a top goalkeeper in the CPL and do it in my home uh, home region, I, I'd be ecstatic. And then as I get older, I know guys that are making MLS debuts at 31 and 32, and uh, and that's all there for for uh, for the time. But um, right now, it's all focused on just being a top CPL goalkeeper. Nice man. You mentioned, you know people spend time working on their weaknesses and what, what do you think is your biggest strength then in your game? Um, I've always, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think just I'm a gamer. I, I don't know where I learned it from. I think it's a, it's a mix between my time with Ricardo and uh, with uh, Tom and, and at FGCU and KW, like all those programs were winning programs. And, right. uh, and every time I step into a game, my mindset's to win. I know what it's like to be in a situation when we made the Dallas Cup Finals and we every team we beat was probably – I mean, they all thought they were better than us and maybe they're right, but we made it further than we probably should have and we lost in the finals. And I remember how gutted I was when I lost in the finals. So ever since then, I remember my goal for that tournament was to make the finals because if you make the finals, you get to play in the stadium. In, right. Uh, in FC Dallas stadium. So that was my goal. And, uh, and I lost in the finals and I remember thinking like, what a stupid goal. Like, how is your goal not to win it? Like, I don't care what the odds are. Like since that day, it's always been like a national championship is the bare minimum, you know? And I was lucky enough to win a national championship with KW. And, uh, I hope to do the same thing with the CPL because again, like I've, I, I don't have many games under my belt, but, I'm lucky enough right now to have not played a bad one. And uh, I've been over my head, been in over my head in college when I first started. And I've been in over my head in the NASL maybe when I first started, but I always showed up and I always, always make saves and, and give my team a chance to win. So I'm, I'm hoping I can do that all season long for uh, York. Nice. I mean, that's a, I've never, most people that I've spoke to, not even on the, on the podcast, just in general, usually hit me with a, a physical attribute. But that's a, 
that's like a real a real mental attribute. I've never heard someone give that answer before. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think and I think it's important because anyone can pick a ball out of the top corner or come for a cross or whatever. Um, it's the instincts and it's the uh, it's the mindset that sets goalkeepers apart. Consistency and mindset and and all those things. That's what that's when you see true goalkeepers. I think for sure, man. Um, what's been the biggest, so since you've gone pro, what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned or something that stuck with you the most? Oh, I mean, probably that like life's not fair. And Mm. I remember my parents always said that growing up anytime something went wrong. Like, yeah, well, (laughs) life's not fair. I'm glad they said that because it's true. And it's not, not necessarily just with me, but some of the best footballers I've ever seen in my life, hands down, like they don't even play anymore. They didn't get their chance. And I've seen some guys that aren't very good, in my opinion, and they've made a serious career for themselves. Um, but at the end of the day, those guys that I don't rate too high, they always are hardworking. They always do what the coach is saying. And, and they're all really nice people, you know, and that goes a long way in this world. So, you know, like sometimes you should probably get more than you deserve and sometimes you get too much and – it just doesn't make sense sometimes and you just kind of have to roll with it. And that's just the way it is. I know guys, I know coaches who love a player and a different coach hates that same player. Um, You know, like you just got to find your spot. You got to like things work out in a really funny way in the soccer world. And I'm sure in a lot of other professions, uh, I can only speak for soccer, but yeah, just uh, like, it's not always going to be fair. It's, it's certainly not going to be easy. And um, you just got to – it hit tests you. This game tests you. It humbles you. And uh, you just got to show up every single day and fight back and, and take it on the chin and get back up and start going again. And uh, there's days where it's easier to do that than others. Preseasons, it's super easy to do it because everyone's hungry and, and they're fired up and ready to go. But you get six months into a season and you got some knocks and niggles and you're exhausted and you're dealing with some stuff outside of the game. And being able to show up to training and turn all that stuff off and, and walk on the pitch and be a pro, um, that's not an easy thing to do. So I think that's the toughest thing uh, I've had to learn and something I think I've done a pretty good job of up until this point or at this point at least. And, uh, and I think that would be the, the number one thing for uh, these young guys. It's, yeah, maybe you are better, but like maybe the coach doesn't think so here or – uh, maybe you got to work harder or or whatever, but um, at this level, uh, just skill doesn't get you anywhere. You got to be an absolute workhorse. Right. Um, it is true that I mean, the, it, it's a very subjective game, football, and especially for goalkeeping as well. I mean, if if you play a certain way, the keeper like the coach likes that way, then you're in, and if you don't play that certain way, then you're out. It's very subjective. Yeah. Um, and you got to do your research as well. Like um, it's something that another thing I, I kind of realized is you can see what goalkeepers they have on staff and, and what kind of goalkeepers the coaches like. And you got to be um, a bit self-reflective and honest with yourself and see if you fit that mold. Um, you see it even at the highest level, right? You see Joe Hart, who's, who was a stud for Man City for a long time, um, yes. couldn't play under Pep. And you see – you see this stuff happen all the time and um, that's just one example of it. And you just got to realize like, okay, that's fine, you know, and uh, maybe I'll fit somewhere else or whatever. Um, But you can't, you have to be confident. You have to take advice and you have to learn and you have to change, but you have to be confident because if you don't have confidence, you're, you're absolutely done for. 
That's it, man. Well, I know you're on a you're on a tight schedule, man, with preseason and stuff. So we'll go into the last question. Okay. Um, so, uh, Nathan, this podcast is called the the Keeper Connection. Um, so, what's the best way for listeners to stay connected with you and and what's going on in your career? Um, yeah, I've got a. I'm on social media at it, <laughs> um, but yeah, they can get me on uh, Instagram or Twitty or Twitter at NadyBird1 and um, follow along York Nine or the CPL Soccer on social media, and uh, and we should be. Um, we should have some really good coverage with the, the media pro deal in the CPL and uh, oh, hopefully some more, some, some more good news um, uh, coming broadcast wise in Canada. So um, I think it'll be easy to follow along and, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's it. And I'll, I'll be doing, I'm sure lots of interviews throughout the season and uh, it'll all be posted up there. Nice. Cool. Well guys, that's another episode of the keeper connection this time with Canadian professional goalkeeper, Nathan Ingham. Again, keep up to date with Nathan on his Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, keep a lookout for the league. Nathan, thanks so much, Matt, for coming on, and good luck with the upcoming season, dude. Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. Uh, we'll do this again maybe halfway through the season or something. For sure, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Keeper Connection. To keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at the Keeper Connection. If you found this episode helpful, please, guys, feel free to leave me a rating or a review. And I would be ever so grateful if you could share this with anyone else you think might find this information helpful. Again, thank you so much. Until next time, I'll catch you later.